0: Dr. Anthony Fauci, director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. Dr. Fauci, thank you so much for joining me again. It's been a while since we last spoke, but uh, it seems like the virus is still with us. It has not left. And I know that your recent uh, statements around the virus and what we need to look out for you know, for the rest of the year are still pretty cautious. But you also noted really recently that we're looking at sort of a situation where While the pandemic may not be able to be solved by herd immunity, uh, we are in a situation where it's maybe more manageable. So can you tell us about that?
1: Well, certainly the number of infections and hospitalizations and deaths continue to come down in this country. However, it's a very dynamic process because due to the fact that the infections are coming down somewhat there's been a relaxation of many of the restrictions, not only here in the United States, but throughout the world. And as expected, when you have a virus like the sublineage of the Omicron, which is called BA2, which has a transmission advantage over BA1, which means it transmits more readily, that you naturally are going to see an uptick in cases. Some countries in Europe are seeing a very profound uptick that's actually resulting an in increase in hospitalizations and deaths. Others, like the UK, are seeing an increase significantly in cases, but when we speak to our colleagues in the UK, they say it does not appear to be associated with a comparable increase in hospitalizations, certainly not in intensive care unit bed usage, and not in the all-cause mortality in the country, at least at this point. So where we are right now is in almost a transition period where it continues to come down. The CDC has pulled back on some of the recommendations for indoor masking. And yet we're in the next week or two, we will see soon whether we are gonna see an increase. And if we do, how high is it gonna go up? Or would it just go up a bit and then just linger there and still not get any serious increase in hospitalizations or deaths? So it's really a work in motion, a work in progress that we're going to have to see what happens. The thing we can do about it, though, is some severally important things. Number one, if you're not vaccinated, as we've said now for so long, get vaccinated. If you are fully vaccinated and you are eligible to get a third-shot boost if you've had a two-dose mRNA. Definitely get that booster shot because we know that when you're dealing with Omicron, the third-shot boost is absolutely critical to get optimal protection. And then most recently, the FDA and the CDC came out, the FDA with an extension of their emergency use authorization, at least... uh, for people who are 50 years of age or older, and again, those who have an underlying condition, particularly immune compromised. But the new thing is that if you're 50 or older, that now it is authorized that you are eligible to get that fourth shot boost. So a lot of things going on at the same time. Just have to watch it carefully and do what we do and can do to protect against further spread and to protect ourselves and our family. And that's all about vaccination.
0: Right. On that vaccine point, of course, we still have some a small subset of the population that does not yet have access to the vaccines. And that's the youngest uh, segment of the population. I know we've got Moderna and Pfizer in the wings, uh, both at at different points uh, waiting to be authorized or, or the data to come through. As it stands right now, though, there have been some concerns about the concerning efficacy levels that we've seen. How should parents be thinking about that, about it being lower, looking lower than for adults?
1: Well, the original data showed it was lower, which is the reason why the trials were continued with a third dose. It was originally thought that with children, we could give a two dose initial vaccine regimen, very similar to what was done originally with adults. But when you're dealing with an Omicron era, and that's where we are right now, it's very clear that Omicron is a virus that requires three doses, not two. So right now, the studies that are going on are looking at the dose and dose regimen in the three-dose regimen for that cohort less than five years old, I don't think parents should be concerned that it's taken a while because the FDA wants to make sure they get it right. So if anything, parents should be encouraged that the FDA is doing what they do so well, they're analyzing the data with a great degree of attention and scrutiny, and they will make a determination when it is shown very clearly to be safe and effective. I hope that occurs relatively soon. I believe it will, but we don't want to get ahead of the FDA and their job. Let them do their job, and then we'll know about that dose and that children and that cohort.
0: Absolutely. Speaking of the additional vaccines, I know there are some people who claim to be waiting on Novavax because it is a more traditional vaccine uh, platform, and there are others who, of course, have gotten that J&J first. It seems like we're largely relying on on the mRNA doses. What would you say to those people who are still waiting?
1: Well, I'd say if you're not vaccinated at all, you should not wait. That is a bad move, (laughs) to wait for something that we don't know when it's coming. I think with regard to using one of the other platforms like a soluble protein, like Sanofi or Novavax or one of the others, as a boost superimposed upon your original vaccine regimen, such as an mRNA, which the overwhelming majority of people in this country have received, one or the other of the mRNAs, either Moderna or Pfizer, we're doing studies to see if you mix and match and give a boost of a different platform, would it be better? But if you're telling me someone who has not been vaccinated is waiting for a different vaccine platform, that is a bad idea, because the vaccines we have now are clearly very effective and safe. And if you've been vaccinated, don't wait to get your boost. If you're eligible for a boost, go get your boost.
0: I know we've been talking about the boosters, and we're on our what would be fourth within the two-year time span since they started rolling out. Uh, it seems like COVID fatigue definitely playing a role in some the slow uptake of that. How do we? How are you thinking about sort of you know the number one the funding for it? I know that's an issue right now, but also getting more people to take that as we watch another wave come in?
1: Well, there are two parts to your question. First is the funding. Yes, we absolutely need Congress to come through pretty quickly with the funding that we're asking for, because we don't really have enough to continue to get all of the doses, be they doses of vaccine, of antivirals, testing, monoclonals. We need that, and we need it pretty quickly. With regard to COVID fatigue, you know, when you say fatigue, it's like we're tired of the virus, but the virus is not tired of us. So if you really want to be realistic, we've really got to be prepared that we will get another upsurge. And the best way to prevent that is to follow through on some of the mitigation, including vaccines that I mentioned. It's understandable. Everyone is worn out. We've been going through this for two years and three months. And everybody wants it to be over, but the reality is it's not over. That doesn't mean we have to dramatically modify our lives. We are getting gradually closer and closer to some form of normality. I mean, if you look around us, people are in restaurants, people are going to ball games, that's a good thing, but it becomes much safer to do that if you're vaccinated.
0: To that point, we've seen how that focus on getting back to normal, I distinctly remember at the start of the pandemic when you said we have to get used to a new normal, and it seems like there's some version of that happening, as you mentioned, slowly getting into it. But on that point of returning to normal and, and getting to that point and how we get there, it seems like part of it is also trying to, you know, as we have throughout the pandemic, trying to match it to existing respiratory disease and viruses. Are we getting to the point where it is, in fact, more like the flu in terms of manageability, even though there may still be some questions about the disease itself and how it impacts the body.
1: Yeah, there are too many open questions to say it's going to be comparable or is comparable to other respiratory infections like RSV or common cold coronavirus or adenovirus or flu or parainfluenza or all the others. Because there's a lot about this, particularly the long range of effects that we don't know. I mean, right now, there's this issue called long COVID, which is very troublesome, because a substantial proportion of people to variable degrees will have persistence of signs and symptoms. We don't know yet what the pathogenesis or the underlying cause of that is. We really need to understand that better. So right now, I think it would be premature to say, we're getting it to be like any other respiratory disease. There's a lot of unique aspects of this that are still unfolding.
0: What about the uh, aerosolization conversation when we're talking about you know, the way that COVID transmits? There's been a lot of focus, of course, on the airline industry and the masking policy there. I know those discussions are ongoing, but what are the key elements that uh, need to be discussed when it comes to understanding the transmission and how to think about any indoor space really and, and managing that risk?
1: Well, I don't think there's any question that it's spread by aerosol spread. I mean, that's been established very, very clearly. The question is, that's why you wear a mask, particularly a well-fitted, high-quality mask, which can protect even against the aerosol spread. When you're talking about masks in public transportation on airplanes, that really relates to the level of infection that's in the community, and that's the reason why that is still under discussion now by the CDC and is a work in progress.
0: We'll have to leave it there, but pleasure to have you back. As always, Dr. Anthony Fauci, Director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases.
1: Thank you very much. Good to be with you.